0: Well, good morning and welcome to Press Church. So good to be with you this morning. My name is Sean Lee, and I'm the lead pastor here. And for those of you who uh, may be new for the first time or visiting us for the first time, or those watching us online, thank you for joining us. We're so glad to have you. Hope you are doing Well, uh, there's going to be a QR code up on the screen, and you can take your phone out, and you can get your camera app out, and you can see our online bulletin uh, with this QR code. You can also do many other things. Sign up if you're new. There's a link that says I'm new. Click on it. Let us know that you're here. Um, If you were here at the beginning of service, we have video rolling. Every submission, new submission we get, we donate $5 to our partners at the Delaware Dream Center. So if nothing else, hey, you help. $5 go to a a good organization that we partner with. We are in uh, the final weeks of something called the Go Campaign. Uh, Back in November, we introduced the Go Campaign. And this is something where we have been asking you to pray about adding one extra month of giving. So whatever your normal giving is, add an extra month. And if you aren't giving, this is a great opportunity to start giving so that you can support what we are doing here. And the main cause of this, the main purpose of this is for us to close any budget gap that we have as we come to the end of the year and to help us uh, support you and support the community so that we can reach out to them. So again, we are in the final weeks. If this is if you haven't yet, we've had a good majority of you already start doing that. So we thank you so much for the support that we've gotten. And for those of you who have uh, started supporting in this way, it really means a lot. Uh, and we are excited for what God has for us coming in this new year and how we can support in that. Uh, That leads me to December 24th, 5 p.m. We have our Christmas Eve service here. It's at 5 p.m. on the 24th. Uh, You don't want to miss it. It'll be a great time together, singing, candlelight, good message, and um, it'll be a great time for you to be So make sure you put that on your calendar. All right, the real never-ending story. Uh, We've been uh, digging into the story that God has for us, this real never-ending story. And the whole point of this series is that this story that God has and is creating he 's inviting us into it it 's not just a story that we read in the Bible that we 're disconnected from it 's a story that we are being drawn into, that we are a part of and so as we get into the series, as we continue in let's not read the words of god 's story let 's not celebrate Christmas in a way that is disconnected uh, from our real life but this is a story that we are invited into, that we are a part of. And so every week, our teaching team gets together, we hop in the car, and we talk about the message for the day. So let's go ahead and watch our car, oh, excuse me, our car talk this morning. Uh,
1: my three rules for Christmas, wisdom from dad, you know. The first one was don't go into debt. Uh, uh, make other people impressed by what you got them. Mm. The second one was uh, your mental health is more important than making sure you visit everyone who thinks they need to see you. Mm. And then the third one is if anyone says anything about your weight, eat them. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, I think Christmas can be really hard because it does it just brings everything to a head. Right, you're supposed to be a family so you are faced with all the conflicts that you've had over the years mm-hmm. you realize the fallenness of humanity every time you go to Polaris and try to shop <laughs> right you know so you you look around and, and Christmas can remind us I think of just the fallenness yeah. and the need for redemption yes and so sometimes I mean it can be a dark experience to go through Christmas because
0: you just see junk all around you right? yeah and I think even on top of that, you're trying to uphold a level of, um, execution to, to look like you're doing it right. You know, it's like, yeah. what did you get your kids? What, yeah. how, how good was your house decorations? Right. And what, you know, what f- a cool family tradition do, are you doing and mm-hmm. what special meal do you make and what, and you know, I was, that's a lot of pressure. Well, yeah. I, yeah, I was, I was looking, there's a guy uh, I follow on Instagram and he, one of his books. He was reading through one of his books, and it was like this, this list of all these things that you have to do to keep up with society. You know, mm. it's like, all right, you got to go to the gym, you got to work out, you got to eat a certain way, you got to do this, you got to post, you got to post like you're, uh, you know, going to the new restaurants and you're traveling and you're smiling and you have the best kid yeah. teaching techniques. The best Christmas and you, pictures, <laughs> and, right? You know, and and he gets through this laundry list, and it's like, yeah, that's what that's what we feel. Like, and I think we get into this. This season, and we feel all these layers of what we feel like we have to be doing. Um, and so, yeah, we come across like. We feel exposed because we can't do it all.
1: Right? right.
0: Yeah. But we feel like other people are doing it. Oh, all. yeah. So that's yeah. why th- it's just like talk about like anxiety and yeah. depression and other things that come up from this. It's like the positive flip is it's
2: hope. Yeah. Um, hope yeah. in the dark. Yeah, right? Because, I mean, the reality is is this whole Christmas narrative is part of the grand narrative, which is God's redemptive story, right? The creation, fall, and redemption. And uh, this, without acknowledging the creation and the fall... The redemption it, doesn't mean as much. Yeah, right? Because yeah. Well,
0: then why? Why become... One of us. It's like getting something uh, uh, for free. You know, there's always a part that
1: you're like, I don't know. You don't value it as much because it didn't cost you anything. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, If you you were the one that like saved and saved and saved and saved and got it, you're going to like probably cherish that a lot more than, you know. Something was given to you. Not, not every I mean, I know I mean, that if analogy. If somebody falls apart gave at some me point. a brand new car, I would take care of it. <laughs> yeah, that's why I said, I mean, the analogy That's not falls a hint or anything. <laughs> no. I mean, Christmas is coming. <laughs> I love those commercials. The commercials are people are getting cars for Christmas. Yeah. yeah. I'm not one of those people. I, yeah. I'm sure there's probably somebody in our congregation that that actually happens. Fine. I'm not judging you. You're right. That's not my life. You know, <laughs> I think we do have to acknowledge that
2: christmas time can be a hard time for a lot of people because it it usually involves family and not everyone's family is a healthy uh, dynamic there Uh, regardless of the family dynamic uh, you know bad things can happen you lose a person near that time of year and um, typically depression you know a lot if you talk to anyone who's in therapeutic counseling this is a time of year when uh, people are, are seeking that out a lot more because uh, they they are struggling with yeah. uh, depression and well, and add to of, it
1: just the stress of everything and the busyness and yes. the craziness and
2: yeah, that, that that. So when we're talking about uh, the real never-ending story, uh, the real never-ending story is one of hope, right? And it's easy to kind of like well, we could go down this path of saying, oh well, you know, life is hard, <laughs> and there is the fall, and sin has entered in. I think we have to acknowledge the dark and the, yes. the rough, the bad, in order to be able to really celebrate the good. To yes. really, uh, why have hope? Right. If if you can't really acknowledge that life is hard, things are hard, mm-hmm. and th- then you kind of invalidate the, the the powerful aspect of the of the Christmas narrative.
1: Well, you're 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 denying. The never-ending story, Mm. because the whole point of the story is to invite you into it, because it brings hope. Yes. And if you don't think you need hope, then why engage the story? Right. What's the point? Yes.
0: Yeah. I think uh, one of the easiest ways to misunderstand a story is to misunderstand its beginning, its its start. Um, You don't usually start at the second movie of a trilogy, right? Uh, anybody tried to watch a TV show where you're in like the second or third season? You tried watching that with a friend or family member? Is, is that not frustrating, right? Wait, who, who is that? Why is that funny? Yeah, you have to explain. It. Well, that's funny because in season one, they did this, and it set up this, and now I have to pause the show to tell you what's going on so you can understand, and then five minutes later, you have to ask another question. Like, am I the only one who's experienced that? Like, You, you start at the beginning for a reason. There is something in the beginning that is important. It's part of the story. It's starting, it's part of setting that foundation of, of the story. And so last week, I, I set the stage, or I talked through the person of Jesus and who Jesus is. And that he wasn't just created at birth. Like, he is a part of the Trinity. He is God. He is there. He was part of creation. He's there from the beginning. And 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 that's important. Like, we have to understand that this this Jesus that we see wasn't just a human person. It was fully human, but also fully God. It is God. And the verse I took was John chapter 1. In John chapter 1, I mentioned how it has uh, a lot of correlations to uh, the first chapter in Genesis. They both start with the same, in the beginning. John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. In Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning God created. So they have these these same these same words, there's there's a tie there. And so as we continue in the real never-ending story, I want to start in Genesis today. Uh, and I want to look at Genesis together. Uh, Genesis is a, a book that was written in ancient Hebrew. Do we have any ancient Hebrew scholars other than Pastor Jason? All right, <laughs> any, any ancient Hebrew? Okay, uh, so written in ancient Hebrew, written over 3,000 years ago, All right? So it's an old, this is a very very old, old narrative. Um, Moses is, they they assume that Moses wrote Genesis. This is, I mean, you can find different people who say different things, but a lot of people say Moses probably wrote it. Um, And now I'm not going to be getting into some of the arguments that you see in Genesis. Anytime you talk about Genesis, right, all of a sudden now it's like creation versus evolution, and and you got young earth and old earth and how long was a day back then because the sun was created on the fourth day, which is weird because our days are talked about. So I'm not getting into that stuff today. What I want to do is I want us to potentially look at Genesis in a fresh way, and and what I want to do is look at it in a way that the writer of Genesis probably wanted us to see it as, and that's to answer these two questions: one, who is the story about, and what is this character like? Who is this? The who that we're talking about? Who? What are they like? What is that? So who are we talking about? What? Who is the story about? What are they like? I want to look at the bigger picture together today. Um, one of my favorite teachers right now, Bible teachers, scholars, theologians right now, is a guy by the name of Tim Mackey. You might be familiar with him. He does, uh, he's part of the, the Bible Project, and I've actually, many of you, have, I've recommended you to, to check out. And, and he, he has great content, but every time he talks about Genesis, or the couple times that I've seen him talk about Genesis, he, he does an experiment mm-hmm where he he reads through the first couple verses, and he asks people to visualize what what he's reading. So let's say, you know, close your eyes. And I'm going to read this, and I want you to think about what you're you're hearing and and, then what you're seeing in your mind, which is interesting because uh, for some of you, you don't have the whole mind's eye thing. We've talked about this before. There's some of you who like, you can picture something in your mind. There's people who can't do that. Like, if you say, hey, I want you to picture a purple cow, they don't like, in my mind, I'm thinking of, like, a purple cow, and so are you. They're like, I understand what a purple cow would look like, but I'm not visualizing it. So if you're one of those people who can't visualize, I'm sorry today. That's, that's just—you'll just—however you do that, thinking through this. But I want to go through this today. I, wa- I want to read through the first couple verses of Genesis together. And I want you to, to, to think about, to visualize what it is that is being created here. Can we do that today? So if you want to shut your eyes, you can shut your eyes. So let's just read this. Let's think about this. What, what, What do you picture? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. What did you picture? Dark space. Maybe like out, and you know, there's just like weird dark stuff. What, what else did you picture? You could say it. I'm curious. What do, you, what do we picture? Mist over, Mist over water. So there's water, so there's like a lot of water. Is there any, what else do we picture? A big bang. Oh, a big bang. Do, do, we, do we see any uh, like spherical globe sort of thing? Do you see that? Some of you shaking yes, some of you shaking no. So we have like darkness, waters, nebulous, maybe spherical thing going on. Why, if, if you did say yes to the spherical thing, why do you say yes to thinking of a globe? Says Earth, right? When we see Earth, I think of Earth. How do you think the people that first were reading these scriptures thought of these verses? What do you think they saw? You know, it wasn't until like the early 60s that we actually had a picture of the earth that we could see. So if you if you picture a globe or some circular I mean, there's people who thought the earth wasn't flat before the 50s and 60s, obviously, but they didn't have a picture of it. And yet, you may picture something like that. Tim Mackey, when doing this, he points out that reading Scripture is a, he says, it's a cross-cultural experience. And the reason why he says this is because we have to think about how somebody in that time would have read these words, how they would have interpreted these words. You remember how old this is? It's like 3,000 years old. How would somebody then read this narrative? I, I think this is important. I want to stop here for a second. This is important for, for reading Scripture, not just this section, but everything. We have to be, be, be not so short-sighted in reading Scripture just from a 21st century American mindset of what we know now about science and different things. Like, How would they have read this? How would the, the people who are reading through this actually thought of this? So when we hear heavens and the earth, what are we talking about? When, I, when we say heavens, what would they have thought of? Probably sky? Something up there? Clouds? Up here? And earth, what, what would earth be? Ground? Down here? Like something here? So you have, in the beginning was the heavens, the sky, what you see up here, the space, like, and, the, and the earth, uh, this ground. And then we have this really, really um, direct, focused starting point. In the beginning. When was in the beginning? I don't know. It's funny when you you see these words and translate them, it's almost like them saying, way back when. So way back when, God created... What's up here, and what's here? It it, it doesn't seem like the clarity of when that was was that important, or else he would have said something more than way back when. So we have God created this and this way back when, and then we move on. What do we see from here? Formless and empty. The earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. Um, you guys said no uh, ancient Hebrew scholars. I'm gonna teach you some, some ancient, ancient Hebrew. You guys ready to learn some ancient, ancient Hebrew? The word for formless and empty is tohu vavohu. Can we say that together? Tohu vavohu. It rhymes, right? There's a rhyme to it, and, and this is the other thing with Genesis. Like it has a poetic sense to it. So tohu vavohu. Basically, this means wasteland, chaos, darkness, formless, nothing. It's just, it's painting a picture. The writer is painting a picture of, of what's happening here. It's, it's uninhabitable when you think about that they said even some of these words, they had images, they they use similar words when you're talking like about a vast desert. It's uninhabitable. But yet it's weird because here they're talking about waters too. So you have this word that has been associated with like desert and and uninhabitableness, and then you also have these deep waters. And so what is he trying to say? He's trying to say that there's, this isn't a good place to be. You're not going to build a good life on this. It's chaotic. It's there's nothingness. Everybody anybody watch the the never-ending story? The nothing, right? What was coming? It was the nothing they were coming from. It's kind of a cool tie here. So Tohuva Vohu. Nothingness, wasteland. You guys like me saying that, don't you? I see I see just chuckling. <laughs> so here we have, what do we have here? We have we have a creator. We have God creating And we seemingly have some sort of uninhabitable earth that has sky and has darkness and has waters and there's disorder. And then what happens in verse three? Let's look, Genesis one, chapter three. It says, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw the light was good and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day in the darkness he called night, and there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. This verse starts, starts a pattern that we're going to see repeated throughout the next verses. And really what it is, is, is you see God taking something that is in disorder, just that that's chaotic, and he's bringing about order, right? He's bringing chaos and into order. And so one of the big takeaways in this whole chapter of of Genesis chapter one is is this, is that God brings order to disorder. All throughout the first chapter of Genesis, you are seeing God bringing order to disorder. He's taking what is uninhabitable and creating something, and he's creating something good, right? And after each verse, he's doing this. He's building an order. He's building a structure, and every single one ends a different way, or uh, the same way, pardon me. Every verse ends, and there was evening, and there was morning. He's building a pattern. He's setting order, a good order. It's interesting. We think the beginning of our day is the m- morning, right? We would say, and there was morning, and there was evening. It's interesting. They say, and there was evening, and there was morning. There's so many cool little nuggets here, and we just don't have time to get into all this. But it's, it's interesting. It's like you're almost starting with rest, Starting with rest in the day and then doing something. There was evening. There was morning. But he's building a pattern. He's building a structure. He's bringing about order. And then in verse uh, chapter uh, verse 31 of chapter one, we see this. After all of this, God saw all that He had made. He saw all that He had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning the sixth day. Here it is. We have a God who brings order to disorder, and what God made is very good. It's very good. If, if, if there's a, a, a glaring truth that we see uh, through this creation narrative, it's that what God made is good. Multiple times over these verses, and he saw that it was good. And then at the end, it's very good. God is a creator of good things that brings order and purpose. And now you may have said, I, I skipped one of the sections. Well, now we get into to man. And yes, this comes a little bit before verse 31. But in, in verse 26, we see God creating mankind. It says this, it says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. We, we talk about purpose. He's creating with purpose. It's not accidental, but with, with purpose. Purpose. And now, here, bringing man about to help manage that creation. Man being created to help manage, to bring purpose, to bring order to all that God has made. We've been, we've been promoted. We're now general managers of earth. Some of you are like, actually, business owners, you're like, well, that's a demotion. I don't want to. <laughs> we've been made general managers. We're helping manage all that God has made, the good that God has made, bringing order. He's, he's seeing that we need more, there's, there's more order that needs to happen. So we have order from disorder. We have something that's very good. And now us, man, we have purpose. And the other great part of this, it says we're created in the image of God. You are an image bearer. Of God, you are an image bearer of God, the God who created all this good stuff. You are an image bearer. Think about that. It's so good, the God of the universe who created us—we are image bearers. I, I, I mentioned Tim Mackey. Tim, he he does this cool. He like he takes out a an ID, one of his IDs, and he and he looks at like this picture and he says, is that picture of me? And some people say, yeah, that's you. Well, no, that's, that's a card. It's got his image on it, right? <laughs> we're like that. It's like, we're like the card that has God's image on it. It's like a mirror, you got a mirror reflecting. What you see in the mirror is not you. It's a reflection of the image of whatever you put in front of it. We are reflecting the image of God. We are made in the image of God. That's That's a big deal. And so here we are. We've got a good creation. We've got order coming from disorder. So much good. So much potential, right? This sounds great. And yet, this is where the issues start to come in. And if we're honest, the problems that arise here are not unique to the Genesis narrative. The problems that arise have been riddled all throughout the history of the world. And it's this is, a, is that we are not content in what we have. We are not content with what we have. Humanity isn't content with just being image-bearers of God. We aren't okay with just managing what God has made. We want more. Right? And here's what happens. Here's what happens both in Genesis and now. We don't want to just be image bearers of God. We want to be God. That isn't good enough. I know better. I know how to do this better. I know how to be better. I I it's I've got it under control. And we've been doing that ever since, ever since the start of there we've been doing it ever since. I mean, it, being an image bearer of God's cool. I'm, but I, I want to be God. I want to, I want to make the decisions. I want to be in control. And in Genesis chapter three, we, we, get, we get a visualization of this. The serpent comes to, to the woman and says, it says, "For God knows that when you eat from it, from the fruit, your eyes will be opened. Here it is, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil." When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food, when she saw, when she decided in her own heart that she had a better plan, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some of it and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. They weren't content. And we've been living those consequences ever since. And unfortunately, we continue to do that. To think that we know better than God, that we're in charge, we know best. And at the end of the day, we're just like bad managers. You ever been to a restaurant that was like really good and then management changed and it was really bad after that? Did you burn down that restaurant? No. There's potential, it was good. They used to serve the best burgers or whatever. And then the management changed. And now it's bad. They got weird frozen stuff. And they don't have a good blend of the right meat blend now. And it's like that. (laughs) What we had something good. There was potential. There was good. We we were in charge of managing it well and stewarding it well. And we decided that it wasn't good enough. I want to do something different. I want to be in control. And it's not hard for us to look at the state of our world and, and see that right now. To see that we're not good managers. Over over the course of centuries and times in different countries, you can just see it. We are not good. And we have to acknowledge that we have a need. Similar to what CR said in in at the end of the toward the end of the car talk, he said we have to acknowledge the hard and the dark and the broken elements to see the good, and to celebrate the good that God brings. If you can't acknowledge that, then then we invalidate the power of the Christmas narrative. If I think I have it all together, then what is the point of needing God? See, it's like this weird cycle, right? In the garden, what was it? I know best, and then here we are now. Ah, that's a cool story. You know, Jesus, little baby Jesus coming to earth, and supposedly God, that's cool. I don't need that. I got it under control. And it's funny, even as as a Christian, as someone who believes that's true, that believes that Jesus came, was born, fully God, fully man, this, this person of God, even believing that to the depths of my heart, I can still enter the season of Christmas and not fully understand and not fully let it sink in the meaning of what happened and the weight of what's going on here. I can go through the motions. And if, and if that's the case, if, 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 if I don't need all that, Jesus coming isn't a big deal. We're gonna say we don't need it and it's gonna continue to be something that we do in December every year. And that's just what it is. Sometimes when things are the darkest is when we realize we need the light. Sometimes when things get the hardest is when we finally get to a point of saying, oh, I need that. In John chapter 1 last week, it says that in the light is life. You see a lot of light and dark comparisons, comparisons in John and we see this narrative, God bringing light into the darkness, God bringing life, God bringing order. Remember remember the first point, God brings order to disorder. What we celebrate here during Christmas is God coming here to bring light to the darkness. A God who brings redemption and hope and love into the world. Just as he brought order and purpose to a chaotic and dark world, he's still bringing light to the darkest places of life. This never-ending story. We are still in the story. We are still a part of what's going on. You are still an image-bearer of God, taking, taking part in this light coming into the darkness, into this life coming into what was dead. That is what we are a part of. That's what you are being invited into with this story. Yes, there's brokenness. Yes, there's sin. Yes, we fall short, but you are still an image-bearer of God. You still were designed to do good and to help manage and to help bring this kingdom that God is bringing in, to show the light to the darkness. I I think it's it's important to understand the need. It's important to understand what's going on. Dylan, you can start coming up. It's also important that we don't start the story in Genesis 3. We can acknowledge our screw-ups. We can acknowledge that we're fallen. But we have to remember before that. What does chapter 1 say? What does chapter 2 say? Chapter 1 says, you were you were created with purpose. What God created was good. Remember that he is the one who's bringing light into dark. Yes, we live in a dark world sometimes. Yes, there's fallenness. We're going we're to experience that in the next couple weeks, right? You're going to get together with family. There's going to be potentially arguments. You're going to have to come in contact with people you disagree with. And as much as the season is great and there's joy and there's fun, we still are confronted every day with the fact that we, we aren't perfect and we aren't always good. So we rest in the story of Christmas, the story of Christ coming, because only through him and his redemption that we do have hope. You can try and try and try all you want. You can think you are God, you can try to act like you are God, you are not. And that's okay, and that's good. And when you can rest in the fact that God has a purpose for you, and he is the one in charge, you can begin to have that joy. You can begin to have that hope and see what this season is truly about. Hopefully you guys were able to grab uh, some elements as you came in. If you have those, please grab them. If you're at home still watching, grab some some bread, some juice, some wine, whatever you have. We're going to be taking communion together, and I. This is a, a a perfect way to end this service, to end this time, this message. This these elements are a true representation of light overcoming darkness, of life, true life through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross for us. This is the foundation of our faith that is through Christ that we get life and we get light. And so as we take these elements today, let's think about that and celebrate that. Let's take out the bread. The night that Jesus met with his disciples, he got bread and he, and he broke the bread, He gave it to each. He said, this is my body, which has been broken for you. And so as we take this, let's remember and celebrate what this represents for us. Let's take it together. And later that evening he took a cup of wine and he and he said, This is my blood which has been shed for you. And so today as we as we take this, let's truly embrace what this means for us, the hope that we have because of what Christ did for us. Let's take his blood, let's drink together, celebrate. God, we thank you that your story is not over. We think that you are continually inviting us in to your never-ending story, the story that started with a good creation, one with purpose. We thank you that we are image-bearers of Christ. And God, we thank you that even though we screw up and mess up and are not perfect. God, you made a way for us, and that's what we celebrate today. And these elements, your body and your blood, that give us hope. And so as we are in this Christmas season, God, may the weight of you coming to earth, may that sink in. May we be able to celebrate to be joyful because of our faith in you. It's your name we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand and join us. And as we continue in this time of worship, we have a, a, a new song that we're going to be playing. It's a mix of a, a Christmas song that you may know. and let's, let's sing this together. Let's worship together in anticipation of our coming Savior.